this is Dr. Bob Evans, and welcome to our podcast, Parental Alienation from Couch to Courtroom and Beyond. We will discuss the resisting and refusing dynamic, commonly referred to as parental alienation, how you'll know it's happening in your case, and what can be done about it. Parental alienation can cause stress and trauma in high-conflict cases. These podcasts focus on how attorneys and mental health professionals can support families and children. Well, welcome to episode five. This is Dr. Bob Evans. And today I want to share with you some work by a psychologist by the name of Philip Zimbardo. He's a social psychologist who's a professor emeritus at this point out of Palo Alto University and Stanford University in California. He wrote, among other things, a book called The Lucifer Effect, Understanding How Good People Turn Evil. And in that book he asks... Philosophers, dramatists, theologians have grappled with this question for centuries. What makes people go wrong? Interestingly, we're all surrounded by evil, and we know good people who appear to be really good, but they lived out the Robert Louis Stevenson's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde scenario. We heard of people that took drugs, they got into trouble, they went to jail, some killed people, some did it without any drug assistance. So the question is, where's that line? between good and evil, which many people like to think is fixed and impermeable, with some people on the good side of the line and others on the bad side. Well, Philip Zimbardo's work shows us that that line was movable and it was permeable in his research. Good people could be seduced across that line, and under some circumstances, bad kids with some help and reform could recover and be rehabilitated. Well, that's all very interesting, but what does this have to do with parental alienation? Well, it seems most, if not all, people get married and have a family. Surely at that time, their intentions were to be good parents, good good marriage partners, spouses, etc. It seems highly unlikely that some couples get together, marry, have children with their intention of brainwashing their children to hate one of their parents. Even if a couple have children unintentionally. Again, it seems unreasonable that they want to intentionally manipulate those children into hating the other parent. So the question Dr. Zimbardo asks, how can this happen? Why do good people turn evil? And if you haven't already guessed it by now, I consider parental alienation evil. That is, manipulating, reinforcing children to reject a parent without justification is evil. Dr. Zimbardo presents some very interesting and compelling thoughts supported by his and others' research as to some of the factors that play a role in the phenomenon of parental alienation. So as this discussion progresses, keep your attention and focus on parental alienation and see if we can make some connections to Zimbardo's work, a social psychologist. Zimbardo reminds us that our world is, was, and always will be filled with good and evil. There's good and evil in the yin and yang of the human condition. God's favorite angel was Lucifer. Lucifer means the light. It also means the morning star in some scripture. 
And apparently, he disobeyed God, and that's the ultimate disobedience to authority. And when he did, Michael the archangel was sent to remove Lucifer from heaven, along with the other fallen angels. And so Lucifer descends into hell and becomes Satan. The force of evil in the universe begins. So this arc of the cosmic transformation of God's favorite angel into the devil, according to Dr. Zimbardo, sets the context for understanding human beings who are transformed from good ordinary people into perpetrators of evil. Although the book, The Lucifer Effect, focuses on the negatives, the negatives that people can become, not the negatives that people are, leads to a psychological definition. Evil is the exercise of power, and that's the key. It's about power to intentionally harm people psychologically, to hurt people physically, to destroy people mortally, or destroy their ideas, and to commit crimes against humanity. Frequently, alienating parents have so much anger towards the other parent that they set out to intentionally harm them and will do whatever it is in their power to destroy them. And if that means abusing their children to accomplish this, well, then so be it. What professionals in the legal and the mental health field need to understand is that parental alienation, whether executed deliberately or unintentionally, is evil. And that meets the definition that Zimbardo spells out. Zimbardo discussed in the book the American soldiers abusing prisoners in Abu Ghraib in Iraq. These were men and women who were putting prisoners through unbelievable humiliation. But it wasn't surprising because he had seen the same parallels in his Stanford prison study that he did earlier. Immediately, the military administration said it's not the system, it's the few bad apples, a few rogue soldiers. Zimbardo's hypothesis was American soldiers are typically pretty good. Maybe it was the barrel that was bad. In order to research his hypothesis, he actually became an expert witness for one of the guards and had access to all the investigative reports. He had access to the defendant. He studied him. He got to know him. He did some psychological analyses to see if he was a good apple or a bad apple. Zimbardo also had access to all of the pictures that the soldiers took. Zimbardo observed that the guards were army reservists. They were not soldiers prepared for the mission of running a prison. Not at all. And it all happened in a single place during the night shift. The prison was the center for interrogation, and they were getting no information about the insurgency. So the organization put pressure on these soldiers to cross the line, give them permission to break the will of the enemy, to prepare them for interrogation, to soften them up, to take the gloves off. Those were the euphemisms. At the time, the Secretary of Defense wanted to know who was responsible, who, who were the bad apples. So according to Zimbardo, that's a bad question. You have to reframe it and ask what is responsible. Because what could be the who of people, but it could also be the what of the situation. So this is an interesting perspective. Eagle, evil occurs not just by people, but also occurs in certain situations. Well, isn't that also true of parental alienation? 
The favored or alienating parent performs their deeds, typically in highly contested child custody disputes. And while for sure some alienating parents are not aware that their behavior is having the effect that it's having, that is, manipulating a child against a parent, the harmful effect is the same as if it were happening intentionally. There will be more on this later as we pursue this conversation. So how do psychologists go about understanding such transformations of human caring if you believe that most people are intentionally good? Well, according to the Zimbardo, there are three ways. The main way is what is called dispositional. We look at what's inside of the person, i.e. the bad apples. This is the foundation of all social science and the foundation of religion, the foundation of law. Social psychologists say people are the actors on the stage. But if you have to be aware of, but you have to be aware of what the situation is, who the cast of characters are, and what's the costume. Is there a stage director? And so we're interested in what are the external factors, next issue, around the individual, the bad barrel. Social scientists stop there. And they missed the big point that Zimbardo discovered when he was this expert for the soldier in Iraq. The power is in the system. The system creates a situation that could corrupt the individual. The system is the legal, political, economic, cultural background. And this is where the power is of the bad apple, or excuse me, the bad barrel makers. So you want to change a person, you have to change the situation. You want to change the situation, you've got to know where the power is in the system. So the Lucifer effect involves understanding human character transformations with these three factors. It's a dynamic interplay. What did people bring into the situation? What does the situation bring out of them? And what is the system that creates and maintains the situation. So the Lucifer effect is about how to understand how good people turn evil, i.e. do bad things. The Lucifer effect, although it focuses on evil, really presents the science of the human mind's infinite capacity to make people kind or cruel, caring or indifferent, creative or destructive, and It makes some of us villains. So let's bring this discussion back to the issue of parental alienation. The dispositional perspective is the individual people involved. Alienating parents frequently bring personality disorders to the situation where they can possess borderline or narcissistic personalities. Frequently, we're observing the favored or alienating parent had experienced a traumatic, stressful childhood themselves. Sometimes they were alienated from a parent or a caregiver and never received any type of intervention. We also observe characteristics of the rejected or targeted parent. They commonly are passive individuals who are well-meaning and frequently don't want to harm the child by asserting themselves to maintain a relationship with their child. Quite often, the targeted parent's attorney will advise them to back off or refrain from contacting or calling the child so as not to pressure the child. 
Of course, this is often seen as evidence that the rejected parent is not interested in the child. I want to quickly point out, in the vast majority of cases, it is strongly advised that the targeted parent never quit trying to make contact with their child unless there is a legal rationale to do so. The situation in which this is all played out is commonly a child custody dispute where the favored parent is trying to get the upper hand in the legal battle by making the targeted parent appear dysfunctional, abusive, rejecting, disinterested, etc. They, they employ any number of recognized strategies or tactics to set the stage for the child to reject the other parent. The alienated child in these cases frequently has to appear to reject the target parent in order to survive in this intolerable situation. Alienated children experience significant levels of stress, stress that they have to gravitate to the favored parent as an attempt to reduce their stress and try to stay out of the parental conflict. The parallel continues between the Lucifer effect and the phenomena of parental alienation when we examine the system in which this drama is played out, and that is the legal system. Actually, there are at least two systems in play here, the family system as it intersects with the legal system. The dynamics of the family system include the parents' backgrounds, and that plays a significant role in how alienation becomes an integral part of this drama. The legal system plays a major role with its inherent delays for the administration of justice, albeit though no fault of the judges, but the delays in the system exacerbate the alienation. In addition, however, the lack of consequences or a judge's refusal to enforcing its orders is a major contributor to further exacerbate the alienation and thereby increase the abuse of the children. The situation children find themselves in is very significant. That is, their favored parent or caregiver has a lot of authority and power over them. After all, look at what they're doing to the other parent, a previously loved caregiver. Given this, we look at the research that appears to apply to the situation. One such study, in which um, had become known as the Milgram Studies, Stanley Milgram, a psychologist, asked a question a number of years ago. Could the Holocaust happen here in the United States? You would probably say no, only in Nazi Germany, and besides, that was in 1939, so it really couldn't happen here. But Milgram asked an interesting question. But suppose Hitler asked you if you would electrocute a stranger. You would probably say, no, not me, I'm a good person. So Milgram put people in a situation that gave them a chance to see what they would do. He tested a 1,000 ordinary people, 500 from New Haven, Connecticut, 500 from Bridgeport, Connecticut. He didn't want college students. He wanted just regular people, ages between the ages of 40 and 50 years old. He wanted ordinary pe people such as barbers, clerks, white-collar people, etc. He divided the group into teachers and learners. The learner gets tied up to a fake shock apparatus in another room, out of sight from the teacher. The teacher's told by an authority figure, you know, the guy in a lab coat, your job as teacher is to give material for the other person to learn. If the learner gets it right, he's rewarded. 
If he gets it wrong, you press a button on the shock box in front of you. The teacher thinks he's administering shocks to the learner, but really wasn't. He didn't know that, of course. The first button on the teacher's control box is labeled 15 volts. The learner doesn't even feel that. The next step in the punishment is another 15 volts, and so on. The problem is, at the end of the line, the label on the box is 450 volts. And as the teacher goes along, the learner is pretending to be hurt and is screaming, I have a heart attack. I can't get, can't stand this anymore. I want out of here. The teacher, however, hearing the complaints, looks to the authority figure. Hey, who's going to be responsible if something happens? The guy in the lab coat says, don't worry about it. I'm responsible. Just continue teaching. The question was, who would go all the way to 450 volts? The teacher displays the teacher's display shows that when it gets to 375, there's a dangerous, severe shock level. When it gets to 450, the panel shows triple X's. So Milgram asked 40 psychiatrists, what percentage of American citizens would go to the end? They said only 1% because, well, that's sadistic behavior, and we know that only 1% of Americans are sadistic. Okay. They could not be more wrong. Two-thirds of the teachers went all the way to 450 volts. Milgram did more than 16 studies. And in study 16, 90% went all the way to 450. What about women in the study? Women's studies, their results went absolutely no different than men. Milgram was quantifying evil as the willingness of people to blindly obey authority to go all the way to 450 volts. And it's like a dial on human nature in the sense that you could make almost anybody t totally obedient. So what are the external parallels? Well, external parallels are 912 American citizens commit suicide or murder by family and friends in Guyana, 1978, because people were blindly following the Reverend Jim Jones, he persuaded them to commit mass suicide. Milgram's study is all about individual authority to control people. Zimbardo himself conducted the Stanford Prison Study, which showed the power of institutions to influence individual behavior. In, in Zimbardo's Stanford Prison Study, the subjects were divided into two groups, prisoners and guards. Both groups were psychologically tested, so Zimbarlo said he knew he had good apples and he put them in a bad situation. He had to end the study after six days because it was so out of control. The prisoners had emotional breakdowns. The guards simply overused their power excessively. Zimbardo said he found seven social processes that increased the slippery, slippery slope of evil. Mindlessly taking the first small step, dehumanization of others, de-individuation of self. It's kind of removing autonomy. Diffusion of personal responsibility, blind obedience to authority, uncritical conformity to group norms, passive tolerance of evil through inaction or indifference. It happens when you enter a new situation, you habitually 
your habitual response patterns don't work. Your personality and morality are disengaged. Social psychological research reveals how ordinary, ordinarily good people can be transformed even without drugs. You just need the social psychological processes. If you give people power without oversight, it's a prescription for abuse. Well, I said let's keep our eye on the concept or the phenomenon of parental alienation. So how does this work as far as parental alienation goes? And let's see how Zimbardo's seven social processes may play out. These will be just brief suggestions and clearly not intended to be an exhaustive list. So the first one was mindlessly taking the first small step. Children are frequently encouraged to choose between a targeted parent and a favorite activity. Children or alienated children or children on the path to alienation usually are encouraged to tell or inform the targeted parent that they don't want to see them this weekend. The dehumanization of others. Alienated children are encouraged to refer to the target parent by their first name, which frequently gets morphed into expletives later on down the road as the severity increases. Um, Alienated children are encouraged to refer to the new significant other as mom or dad and ignore the other new significant other of the target parent. Individuation of self. Having the child change their name from their birth name, first and last name, to remove them as a child of the targeted parent. Rejecting the targeted parent's extended family like grandparents whom they claim they really never loved. They would have it really good to them or they were just as abusive as the alienating parent. We have a diffusion of personal responsibility, blaming the targeted parent for what's happening. They deserve what they're getting after all. And protecting the favored parent who they can who can do absolutely no wrong and pointing out that the targeted parent has never been a good parent. Blind obedience to authority. Well, the favored parent has always been the best parent. And we will frequently see that the uh, severely alienated child will perform, perform the symptoms of parental alienation without any apparent remorse. Uncritical conformity to group norms. The alienating parent and their extended family frequently form a cult-like environment where unquestioned obedience is expected. In severe cases of alienation, the child supports and validates the favored parent's allegations of abuse, become witnesses, potential victims of the alleged abuse. Passive tolerance of evil through inaction or indifference. Regardless of the consequences to the child, the favored alienating parent steps back and, if not actively, frequently, passively reinforces the alienation and the disrespect, the behavior that the child is is displaying towards the targeted parent. The favored parent frequently totally disregards court orders to encourage and facilitate a relationship between the child and the targeted parent. I jokingly refer to this behavior where an alienating parent rejects or ignores court orders as they, they regard the court orders as suggestions as opposed to a court order. So Zimbardo, Zimbardo suggests that we need a paradigm shift in all these areas. The shift is 
away from the medical model that focuses only on the individual and that the shift is toward a public health model that recognizes situational and systematic, systemic vectors of disease. Bullying is a disease, prejudices is a disease, violence is a disease, and since the Inquisition, we've been dealing with problems at the individual level, and it doesn't work. What do many judges order in cases where their children are rejecting, resisting, and alienating a parent? Counseling. Oh, it's a universal recommendation. And it never or very, very infrequently works. And it makes it much, much, situation much worse. Well, that's the end today of episode five, the Lucifer effect. Thank you for paying attention. And please go to naopas.com for more information and training opportunities. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on this topic, please visit www.drbobevans.com or www.naopas.com. We offer classes for both legal and mental health professionals to help educate them on the signs and strategies of parental alienation and how to move forward for a healthier environment for the children of divorce. Please visit www.naopas.com and sign up for our courses and use coupon code PODCAST for a 50% discount. <music>